Amen, amen. Good morning, beloved. Good morning. Happy birthday. So you are three years old now. So I have a three-year-old. Um, my wife and I, we decided to have a, a baby at the start of this church and then decided to go ahead and plant this church with Kevin and the brothers. And um, so we basically mimic our lives after August, my son, and we'll talk a lot about him. So he is into PJ Mask. So if you're a PJ Mask fan, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you are into eating donuts all the time, that's for you. Um, and if you are into picking your nose and tasting it, welcome. That's my son. I try to train him, you know, I try to teach him to be a gentleman, but it's a struggle. So um, happy birthday and a happy new year. Welcome to 2022. I feel like the light should have dimmed. Alex, can we not have lasers? <sighs> it seems so weird to say 2022. It seems so odd. Um, but I hope that you had a great New Year's Eve, New Year's Day yesterday, celebrated with your family and friends, right? Just thanking God for his many blessings. I want to let you know that my family, my wife and I, we actually prayed for you all yesterday, right? We pr and we will continue to be praying for you all through the rest of the year. We prayed for the body of Christ. We prayed for beloved church that God will continue to grant us his grace and his mercy as we live boldly, as we live fearlessly, proclaiming with certainty the gospel, the good news that is Jesus Christ. Amen? So my name is Reggie. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I'm excited because I get to give Kevin a break today. For New Year's, this is my New Year's gift to him. No, I'm just kidding. I get to share God's word, and I'm excited. Amen? So the way I want to start with... Um, this one is, many of you may or may not know this about me, and I talk about my kids all the time. They're just, I love them. Um, I have two kids. I, my wife and I, we have two kids. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I could see him looking at me, one of the elders. Um, we have two kids. I have a seven-year-old daughter. Her name is Nora, um, Nora Jane, and she is awesome. And I have a three-year-old, like I said, August. We call him Augie for short. And they are at a fun age. My wife and I, we love the age that they're at. Um, it's beautiful to see the world through their eyes. As a seven-year-old, Right? She thinks she's cool. She's seven going on 18 or 21. And then he's three, and he just wants to be a superhero. He wants to be Spider-Man. So in the back of the church, you'll just see him just the whole time. Um, and they're at a fun age. My wife and I, we love this age. Um, and one of the things we have been teaching Nora since her upbringing, and now Augie's starting to understand and learn it, is grace. Um, we've, we're, I mean, grace is something important. Not only because we ask for grace, but because we are in need of grace the way Christ extended grace to us. So that's something we've been teaching. But one of the lessons or one of the problems where I see it's happening in our family that I need to remind everybody, even mommy, even me, about grace is this thing, maybe you call it finger pointing or pointing fingers. Now, I reached out to the leadership team and I wanna let you know, this year we are going to purchase multiple foam fingers because nobody in the church had a foam finger because I thought it would make more of an emphasis. All right, because when you think of pointing, you think of those silly foam fingers and you, you, know, you can point at somebody with them. And so my kids do a lot of finger pointing. And so I'll give you an example. Let's just say Augie accidentally breaks a toy. Nora is quick to point at him. Not because she, she knows the blame is not on her, but she wants to put the light on him. Yo, you check it out, Augie just broke the toy, mom. He did it, okay, okay. Or um, we love music. As you can tell, I play music. The kids, they dance, they have dance competitions and stuff. They love music. So in the car, we fight all day long. Ask my wife, she's the introvert of the family. All the rest of us are extroverts. We fight, we argue about whose playlist we're gonna listen to. Right now, the big album is Sing 2. The movie Sing 2 came out, every song, and he wants Coldplay, Sky Full of Stars. Ask Augie, he'll sing it to you. So we argue, 
And then all of a sudden, you'll hear unkind words start coming out of kids' mouths. And Augie would say this to Nora, and Nora would say this, and say, well, he said this, and she said this. Finger pointing. And the last one. This is my most pet peeve, okay? We're getting ready for lunch and dinner. We tell Nora and Augie, you cannot have a snack right before lunch and dinner, and here's why. My kids are picky. Any picky kids' parents in the room? Just... Okay, yes. So if it ain't mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, don't give it to me. But they're picky, and so I tell Nora and Nora, it's too late now for a snack, we gotta wait. Five minutes later, we see snack wrappers everywhere, chocolate and muffins, and thanks to the B team, the chocolate muffins are a hit at our house too, right? And so in that moment, I have to remind the kids, and mommy has to remind the kids about grace, that mommy and daddy will always extend grace and forgiveness. But as humans, we also need to ask for forgiveness. We also need to ask for that grace, all right? And I think this is where we're going to pick up in Luke chapter three. Um, I don't know why they picked me, I don't know why God picked me to do this sermon, and I don't know, but I just felt like the guys don't know this, but as we were preparing every new year, we pick a gospel to go through, and we decided on Luke. And one of the things that brought, came to my heart, to my mind, the Spirit brought to me is this passage in John chapter three. And I just wanna read that really quickly before we start today's message, okay? So John chapter three, verse 30, and I'm gonna read it to you because I think it's applicable, and I think you're gonna see it throughout the message today. So in John chapter three, it reads, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. And they're talking about Christ and God, the living power of God must increase in your life and I must step back. And so as we um, pick up today, I want you to hold on to that verse for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hold on to that verse because I believe that this is one of the main points that Luke will bring to us today. Pastor Kevin did a great job last week and he basically catapulted us to the new year, giving us the mission, the marching orders as beloved church that we are going to be people on fire. We're going to be people with a mission, with the certainty of the gospel, the good news, the certainty of Jesus Christ. We're gonna share that with the world. We're gonna make that happen even more this year. Do you agree? I can't hear you. Oh, Reggie, we'll try it. Well, I'm hoping that after this message that I'll give you more encouragement on that that I want that fire to be in us because it is in you. If you are a believer, Christ is in you. That fire lives in you. So we're gonna be in Luke, Luke chapter three. If you have your copy of scripture, would you grab that with me? And I'll tell you this church, we wanna be a church with physical Bibles. I love the app. I think the app is great. It's convenient, it's right there. But there's something about the pages. They come to life and any good book, book reader out there will tell you there's something different about a movie and there's something different about a book. It gives you a little bit more info, right? So we're gonna be in Luke chapter three. Make your copy of scripture ready and bear with me. These names and these words are hard. Again, why did they pick me? I don't know. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Etura and Trachonitis. And Lysias was tetrarch of Abilene. Whew. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet of Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. 
The crooked will become straight and the rough ways smooth. And catch this. And everyone will see the salvation of God. So we will start how we always start when we break down passages. Who is writing to us, church? Luke. And if you've been trekking along with us, you would have seen that Luke is the author of this. And Luke um, has given us, we know he's a physician. He's a doctor. So he's very precise and he gives you just what you need. He's not like Reggie, ADHD, and has tons of things to share before the actual fact. He gives you just what you need. And right out the gate in verse one and two, he gives you true history. So if you're taking points, this is the first point I want you to see here. If you're writing points down or notes, Luke points us to a true story. Church, is the gospel true? Now, if you're not a believer, you can't answer that yet. And we remember that Luke is writing to a friend, Theophilus. In Luke chapter one, he says, dear Theophilus, I'm going to give you the certainty of the gospel, the certainty of what you've heard about Jesus Christ is true, bro. Put a stamp on it, sign, seal, delivered. I'm yours. Sorry, Stevie Wonder. But that's what he's doing. But I want you to see how quickly he is giving us history of the people that were in power. We see it nationally, we see it locally, and then we see it spiritually because he talks about the church. So we have these names of these gentlemen, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, we recognize that name from the crucifixion, right? Then he, rec- he talks about four other brothers or three other brothers that were tetrarch. Just for my nerds out there, tetrarchs meaning that you run an area. You're a governor or you reign in a certain area. So that's what a tetrarch is. Every time I see it, I wanna say Tetris. <laughs> but it's a tetrarch, okay? And then he breaks it down to Annas and Caiaphas. Now, if you know the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, you would recognize those names. Annas, I wanna think of Anna and Elsa, but it's not. Annas is the current priest in the temple. And Caiaphas is his father-in-law, and he's the retired priest. And when Jesus is being brought with the scribes and the Pharisees to be executed, they go to Caiaphas first because they want to hear what Caiaphas has to say before they talk to Annas. So that's those names. Luke moves on. Ain't got time for that, bro. We got to keep going. You know the facts. Uh, Theophilus, you know the people in the reign in that time. He moves on, and he starts with during, sorry, in verse 3, verse 2. The word of God. God's word came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Luke doesn't want to distract you, church. And I pray that I'm not a distraction for you today. That Luke doesn't want to distract you with John's appearance. And if you have read the Bible, and John, you're like, Reggie, who's this John? John the Baptist. Ding, ding, ding. That name is always in people's mouth. Whether you're a Christian or not, you know of a radical man, John the Baptist. And so what Luke is doing here, he's like, hey, listen, let me clarify something. I don't want to distract you about Luke's appearance because Mark says that he's a wild man. John the Baptist ain't a pretty boy. He's a wild man and he does wild things. He eats locusts and weird things. But Luke's not doing that. He's quickly running through it and he's like, listen, I don't want to distract you with that, but I want to tell you what John says. And what he says is, in verse three, he says, Going into verse, uh, yeah, verse three. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So what is he talking about? And then he wants you to know where he's doing it. He's doing it in the wilderness. So quick story, Zachariah. If you've been trekking with us, Zachariah is the father of John, John the Baptist. So that means he's Jesus's uncle, right? Because he's married to Elizabeth. Okay, Zachariah is a priest. A couple weeks ago, Kevin shared with us that in the Hebrew culture, there's thousands of priests. How many thousands, Kevin? 
18,000. Zechariah wins the lotto, not the lotto, he wins the ticket to serve in the temple. And it's, it's rare, that usually does not happen. But he's old, he's made it this far, all right? He doesn't have any kids and the word of God comes to him. But for 400 years, church, the word of God was silent. That silent. It was quiet. And the word of God comes to Zechariah and says, Zechariah, guess what? You're going to be a pop. So you're going to be an old man. Check it out. You're going to have a son. And he's like, yo, bro, I'm old and the wifey is ancient. Shh, I didn't say that. Kevin said it. And he was like, that's not going to happen. What happens to Zechariah? His mouth is shut and he can't talk for nine months. Now, if you have kids, wouldn't it be awesome to not have your husband to speak for nine months and just like, hey, get me water. Hey, massage my feet. Like he can't say nothing until nine months. So here's the thing about Zechariah, he's a priest. So that means John, because of the way lineage works, is John would have been a PK. Augie and Nora are PKs, because I'm a preacher, right? Kevin's kids are PKs. And a lot of you in the church have grown up in the church and your parents were or are still pastors. Chris will tell you his dad is a pastor. And so John is a PK. And the reason I want to bring that up is because he knows the scripture. Because you have to learn that. He knows the laws because as a good Jewish boy, you want to learn the laws. But where is John, church? He ain't in the temple. He's out in the streets. He's in the wilderness. And so that's where I want us to see that Luke does a great job to show that John is an Old Testament prophet. Stepping into a New Testament, bringing the covenant, the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ. Because in chapter seven, Luke chapter seven, Jesus actually calls John one of the greatest. He says, but no one is greater than John. Can I tell you, when you read about John's life, he didn't do any miracles. He didn't have any miracles. He was a preacher through and through. He was preaching about this repentance. All right, so here's point number two, because we covered it. That section alone could just be the sermon, but I got a little bit more to go. So point number two is, our, our purpose is to point people for their need of repentance, all right? In John chapter three, verse seven, it says, um, as you continue, he's the voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. He's preparing the way of the Lord. Is he out there just sweeping the streets, getting them ready? No, he's preparing the hearts of the people. John the Baptist, or as we call him, John the Baptizer, his baptism is a baptism of preparation. So now you're like, Reggie, Preparation for what? Preparation of the heart or the posture of the heart in, in asking for forgiveness, in asking for repentance. This is why you would hear associated with John the Baptist, his ministry, repentance or the baptism of repentance because that was his purpose. He, his job was to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare the hearts. It's different than what Jesus said his baptism was. Jesus' baptism was a baptism of transformation. And we all know that because when the spirit enters the new life, it is a new life, new heart, being regenerated, totally regenerated because of what Christ done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, reads like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. All right, so remember I talked about pointing. Here we see John doing that same thing. John is baptizing people and pointing them forward to someone else. He's baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit, but pointing them to someone else. This is John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. Like I shared earlier, um, my kids, 
when we're teaching them grace, um, repentance has two sides. Repentance is often spoken about as two sides. You repent, and then there's belief or believing. And tell me if you recognize this one. But repent means to turn from, and belief means to turn towards. Turning away from one life and saying, I will sin no more. Christ, I need your forgiveness. I am believing and trusting in you. I'm turning to you. They're both changes. They're both forward motions, right? Can I hear you? Yes? Repent and belief, they work hand in hand. It's a repentance because of Christ, because of what he's done. So we pick up in verse seven. He, John, then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The ax is ready at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. All right, let's pretend Kevin comes up next Sunday morning. I think he's preaching next Sunday. And he starts like that. <clears throat> We sing, we come on stage, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, you're sinning, you need to repent. And when you repent, you need to have good fruit. Good fruit should be coming out of you. The next Sunday comes up, you brood of vipers, you snakes. Think about John, that's his message. John is not a feel-good message at all. And I want you to see this here. The reason why John doesn't have to have the same sermon like everybody else because he had one purpose, to prepare the way, to prepare the heart. John is a man of conviction. I don't believe that John cared about or his team cared about what he looked like or his ratings for his service. He didn't have a team of Alex and the B team and the rest of us were like, yo, what was the service like? What was the tithing like? Or what was the, Jordan, what was the social media like? Do we have thumbs up, likes all day? Or how was the music? You know what, there wasn't any music. When people traveled for miles and miles, and you'll see as we continue, they weren't just Jews, they were Gentiles. They were people that were on the lowest totem pole and the people that were the most hated that came to John. It's like, we believe what you're talking about. Our heart's been stirred. We are repenting. What do we need to do? Because John doesn't care about that. Because Luke is pointing out that he's not a man of fluff. We're not gonna have ever at Beloved Church the laser light show. And I will tell you, year one, we tried it out. It just didn't work with us. We're not gonna be that church. We're gonna be the church of the word of God. And that's what John was preparing because he grew up with it. He knew Isaiah's prophecy. He knew the law that the savior would be coming, the Messiah. And guess what? He knew who it was. There's something attractive or magnetic about someone like that. And maybe you've experienced that in your life where you've seen someone who has that drive, that passion, that pursuit in Christ. And they, they wanna point people to him. So how, Reggie, how do we demonstrate a change? How do we demonstrate repentance of belief? How can we show this change? And I want to leave us with this statement. It's not mine. I didn't coin it. I don't know who said it, but I love it. True faith bears fruit. True faith bears fruit. And John does a beautiful job in his sermon. He gives us three practical examples of everyday life that we could use. So we pick up in verse 10. If you're with me, follow along. So this is the people now talking to him, the crowd. Yo, John, what then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. 
tax collectors also came to be baptized and they asked, teacher, what should we do? He told them, don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, what should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. All right, so you ready? When your life has been changed, when your heart has been changed, when you have repented and you've asked for forgiveness and Christ has come into your life, these are some basic three practical examples that we need. And it's the first one we teach all our kids all the time. Your parents probably taught it to you. Share. So wait, you call me a bunch of snakes, you tell me to rare fruit, and now you say to share? Yes, show love. How will the world know that we are beloved? By the way we love, the way Christ loved us, right? That's what we've been saying since year one. They will know us by the way we love, the way Christ loved. So share, that's number one. Number two is he talks to the tax collectors. All right, I hope there's no tax collectors in here. Alex, any tax collectors, do we know? Tax collectors were some of the most hated people in this time. They weren't even allowed in the temple. Like, they couldn't walk into the church because they were corrupt, right? They would take extra than they needed, but they were down there. They would travel and say, John, Pastor John, what do we need to do? And he said, don't, don't take more than you need. Be honest. So honesty is the best. I can't hear you. All right, you just seem quiet. I know it's different to have me instead of good-looking Kevin up here. I apologize. So sharing is the first one. Practical example. We could easily do that. Share with what you have. And beloved, can I tell you, for the last two years, going on year three, you all have done a fabulous job on even during the pandemic. I'm not as scared of that word. I ain't afraid. Because I know the God, the one who is greater, living in me. Amen? You guys have stepped up in mighty ways Right? sharing the love of Christ, not just for our body, but for people that were hurting outside of the church. And I thank you for that, and Christ sees that. The next one is soldiers. Some soldiers, they belong to Rome, Caesar. All hail Caesar. They're coming down to hear John 2, Reggie? Yeah. And he says, what do we need to do? And he tells them in uh, verse 14, he says to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. This is a hard one for me, to be content. I was born on an island, the island of St. Martin. Joshua Wright. I was born on an island, and when I knew I was coming to America at 16, I was like, finally, the American dream. And I wanted what everybody else had. I wanted what I saw in Hollywood movies and theaters and, and shows. I wanted that. And God has been teaching me over and over again, like, I brought you for a reason. I bought you for a purpose. You need to be content because every blessing is from God. Every good gift church is from God. So he's telling the soldiers and he's telling the tax collectors, tell me, did he tell them to quit their jobs? Hey, just because it's a corrupt job, go ahead and just stop. You shouldn't hail Caesar, all hail God. He's like, no. He's like, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Amen? Do it with content, be content. Point number three, our last point. Our purpose is to point people to Jesus. And we'll pick up in verse 15. Point people to Jesus. Now the people were waiting expectantly and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. We knew that one was coming, right? Anybody who starts talking about like this style has gotta be the Messiah. John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. 
I am not even worthy, that's my line, even worthy. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat in his barn. And the chaff, um, he will burn with fire that never goes out. Here John is, like I said, he's an Old Testament prophet. Because Old Testament prophet usually talked about fire, hell, and brimstone. And John's doing that. He's like, I'm giving you a warning. Unbelievers, need, you need to repent of your sins. Believers, you need to be repent of your sin because the one is coming, the judgment. And the one he is pointing to, Jesus, he's saying that he's the one that will take away every sin, every hurt, every pain. So yes, church, John's message is about repentance of sin, for forgiveness. But really, if you think about it, his message is Jesus. He's pointing to this person. He's saying, I'm preparing your hearts for this man. And he says, because in him alone, you will find freedom, you will find hope, you will find salvation that will come from him alone. All right, so my, my Bible nerds out there, in this passage, you will find three types of baptism, and I know it can get confusing. The first one is of water, which symbolizes repentance. When we baptize here at the church, which is a celebration, which I know it is, you, you go under the water, it's a new life, dead becoming alive, right? The second baptism is of the Holy Spirit. It's when Christ enters, it is the transformation of the life, which is where you start seeing fruit bearing, right? And the last is the baptism of fire. And I pray when that day comes that you don't fall into the category of unbelievers. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to be all revelation on you. But that's what John was warning them about. And he's saying the one that is coming, he's the one that you need. All right, so if you've been taking notes, here's an added bonus. They were like, Reggie, you gotta cut it off. You gotta be quickly here. The added bonus is when you point people to Jesus, you need to do it fearlessly. You need to live fearlessly for Christ. And we're going to read just the last. I'm, my, my sermon today is just chapter 1 through 22. And I want you to read verse 18 to 22 with me. Well, follow along. And you'll notice, I want you to tell me what you notice first, okay? Because it's very strange. So we pick up in verse 18. Then along with many exhortations, he proclaimed good news, certainty news, to the people. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added this to everything else. He locked up John in prison. Verse 21. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And as he was praying, heaven opened and appeared like a dove, an appearance like a dove, and the voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. All right. Does that match? Does that fit? What's Luke doing here? First he talks about John gets arrested. And I'll give you a background. Herod, the Tetrarch, we know him. He's going to be the one that beheads John. Again, he, John doesn't live very long. His ministry isn't that long. But, but what I want to show you here, what Luke is trying to show you, not taking away from Jesus' baptism, because I bet you I can pull up any one of you up here and we could talk about Jesus' baptism and that could be a whole series but John is not trying to take away from Jesus, but he's not trying to take away from John because he's giving that nugget to you that you need to live fearlessly, even if it comes at the cost of persecution. 
So he brings about this and he says, Herod the Tetrarch has him arrested and added this to him. And we know why. Herod marries his brother's wife. He steals his brother's wife, gets divorced, marries his brother's wife. Kind of weird, not about that life. Anybody else? Nope, not about that life, me either. And he goes to him, John goes to Herod the Tetrarch and says, bro, you're sinning. You need to stop. This is not right. Repent, make things right. You hold a power of leadership. You should be on the first line to make things right. He says, nah. And so John gets beheaded. And so that's what I want to point out to you here, that Luke is trying to show us that John was preparing the way for the Lord. He was fulfilling the prophecy. And then this is our bottom line to match it. Like John, like John, you got our bottom line? Like John, we exist to point people to Christ. We exist to point people to Christ. Now, anybody in the room, you can shout it out. You don't have to. Our stickers today, what, were, what was your question? It took me all week to figure out what that question would be. And yesterday, my wife hit me with like a sack of potatoes. And she's like, bro, the question is, what is your expectation? What is your resolution? New Year's resolution. Even if you're like that guy, like Kevin, he's like, I don't really have one. We all have that resolution. We all have something that we want to do better or be better at. I saw one of the kids wrote, I want to be better at building Legos. Childlike wonder, right? But can I tell you, that question is so perfect for today. It is. Because in this sermon, it's not a sermon about what your resolution is or how you're going to fail tomorrow. My resolution was to work out again. I started yesterday. I ran for 20 minutes. It was death. My legs are like this. But it's, that's not what the sermon is about. The, what I want to show you and what Luke has been showing us here through the life of John is that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Because we exist to point people to Christ. So if your expectation or your resolutions like mine to work out, then have that in mind that I will work out so that this temple, this body, this dad bod, will be able to wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and go out into the world and share the gospel with certainty, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? So whatever your resolution is, eat healthier. If it's like love people more, like do that for the glory of God. Be like the soldiers, be like the tax collectors. Hey, I know that I'm flawed. I know that I'm a sinner. Step up and repent and ask for that forgiveness. So like Luke, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted with what will come with 2022. 2022. Anybody gonna have problems tomorrow writing 2021 over and over? Yes. So don't be distracted. I don't wanna distract you with like that. But I wanna leave you with this. When we live to point people to Jesus, let's live to point people to a true story to the gospel, point them to the good news, the certainty of the gospel, the certainty of Jesus Christ. Let's point people, let's live to point people to repentance of sin, the forgiveness and the salvation that is found in Christ alone. And lastly, let's point people to Jesus and his love, and let's do that fearlessly and bold. And like that verse I read at the top, that was my verse for this sermon series, John chapter three, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. This was John's mission statement. This is what we should be about. So let's stop pointing fingers. Let's not stop being finger pointers. I wish I had the foam finger now. It would have been perfect. Imagine the foam finger with beloved on it. Stop pointing at our circumstances of what we can or can't control. Stop pointing at the ones and finding scapegoats. And let's point like this. Even till death. Let's point to the Savior, to the God, the creator of the universe, 
that holds it all in his hands. He has 2022 already mapped out. Let's live fearlessly, fearlessly for him and let's point people to Christ because we exist to point people to Christ. Amen, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that you were able to share with us your heart. Thank you that we were able to see a little bit more into the life of John. And Luke did a great job writing that out for us, God. We ask that you would use us um, for your glory, for your purpose, for your will, that we would see the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.